0: We're through September and five weeks into the college football season, the Sooners lead the nation in yards per play. On average, OU's offense gains 8.9 yards every single time they snap the football. That's outrageous and far and away the best in the nation. Alabama is a distant second at 8.2 yards per play. For some context, last season through five games with Baker Mayfield at the helm, the Sooners were averaging 8.5 yards per play. That offense, obviously incredible, but statistically the 2018 offense has been even better. Kyler Murray has done some remarkable things so far and he had another incredible game Saturday afternoon, tying Baker Mayfield for the school record in total touchdowns in a game with seven. And Kyler set the Oklahoma school record for passing efficiency in a game with a rating of 348, which is the highest recorded passer rating since 1996 and it could be the highest passer rating ever. It's just that there's no available stats on pass efficiency before 1996. At 5-0, OU was in a better position than it was last year at this time. Being unbeaten is superior to being 4-1 with an ugly home loss to Iowa State, after all. But forgive me if my excitement level of this team is actually lower than it was following week 5 of last season. I've just seen too many years of excellent offense backed up by mediocre to bad defense. And even though Oklahoma's D got off the field at times against Baylor, the Sooners still allowed a boatload of yards and a bunch of points. One week after playing 87 snaps against Army, the Sooners were on the field for even more snaps against Baylor. The Bears ran 101 plays and held the football for 37 minutes. I'm hard on the D, but these guys do it to themselves with games like this. You've got to get off the field. You've got to make more plays, or else these guys are going to be shot by November. Hell, two starters on defense were not available to play against Baylor, Kenneth Mann and Ryan Jones. The number of players unavailable is going to climb if OU's defense continues to play an average of 94 snaps like it has the past two weeks. But while OU had trouble, mostly in the second half, getting off the field against Baylor, I will say it was good to see the Sooners limit Baylor's big plays. The Bears' longest gain of the day went for 45 yards. A season ago, Baylor was able to get not one, but two 70-plus-yard touchdowns against Oklahoma's defense. And while the Sooners' offense is dominating the country in the yards-per-play category, OU's defense is simply respectable the Sooners have allowed just a smidge over five yards per play so far this year, which is a great number relative to where Oklahoma has been the past couple of seasons. Last year, the Sooners gave up 5.8 yards per play, which is pretty awful. So while I'm still mostly down on the defense heading into week six, I got to say, if they could hover around the number five when it comes to yards allowed per play all season long, this team will definitely have a chance to win the national championship and probably an even better shot than the Sooners had last season. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest.
1: Underneath wide open and plenty of room for C.D. Lamb. Down the sideline. Lamb. Touchdown.
0: C.D. Lamb sprints 86 yards for the touchdown Saturday afternoon. That was one of six touchdown passes for Kyler Murray as Oklahoma beat Baylor 66-33. Hey, everybody. Once again, I am Lee Benson. Welcome to the show. So what did you think? Is that what you need to see from the Sooners following that all-too-close victory over Army? I think it's clear the Sooners' offense can be even better when it's given more than 40 plays in a game. But as for the defense... I just, I don't know. I still don't know. It held Baylor to nine points in the first half and allowed OU to separate a bit, which is a big thing to Lincoln Riley. He always talks about being able to separate from the opponent. But once the Sooners did separate, the defense just could never deliver that second-half knockout blow. Unfortunately, though, the offense delivered blow after blow after blow in that second half to knock Baylor down and out. Let's bring in Grant now. Uh, Grant, Oklahoma beats Baylor. Sixty-six to thirty-three, and you say what,
1: Lee? I'm happy with the game. I, I'm I'm really happy. I'm never going to be upset after winning a game by thirty-three points. And of course, the defense did show some warts, but at the same time, I thought they showed some some instances where they were really good and instances where I, I'm really encouraged going forward. Um, I, I think I think Mike Stoops had a good game again at times, and of course, he had he had, he had a time he had times as well where he went into a shell. Um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, after you've seen 33 points and the amount of points that or and the amount of yards that Baylor put up, I think there's going to be some fans that are, that are upset about the defensive performance. And I don't think that's completely unwarranted, but at the same time, I thought they looked, they looked good. They looked much, much better than they did against army. And Lee, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty safe in saying now that I think this defense is, is quite a bit better than, than last year's version. There's some things that they've cleaned up from last year's defense quite a bit.
0: So here's the exercise that we are are going to use today. You have watched the game back, and you have a lot more uh, formulated thoughts on it than actually I have. I uh, I watched the first half back when I got back to uh, News Nine last night, late last night after the game. I didn't. I kind of watched it back quickly. I didn't take really any notes on it. Just kind of wanted to see a little bit, and then I, I got so tired, and I, I had to go home, and I. I just I was kind of beat yesterday, and this morning I I watched back more thoroughly a lot of the first quarter. But uh, what you're going to get from me today is a lot of a lot of opinions without a second viewing for the most part of the game. And for you, you've had a little bit more time to jump back in and, and formulate some more thoughts. So I think this will be an interesting exercise. You can kind of tell me maybe where I'm going wrong or what I'm missing because when I actually have more time to go back and watch it and go back to our next podcast after this one, I think I'll have a little more thoughts and, and it'll be interesting to see if my thoughts have changed and my mind has changed on certain things that I saw in the game. Because right now, uh, you know, I've had some things in the opening take about the defense. Like I said, I'm, I'm mostly down on, it. I'm just, I, I don't like all those empty yards and all those ridiculous points, uh, that they allowed. I mean, and, and one thing too, it's, I think it's, it's, it's useful to point out that a lot of it came after halftime. And so what does that mean? Does it mean that Oklahoma's defense was more engaged and more prepared in the first half, and then Baylor adjusted and Oklahoma didn't adjust in the second half, and that's why Baylor was able to gain more yards and more points in the second half? Or how much of it is just Oklahoma's team being up by multiple scores after halftime and the defense kind of backing off a bit and realizing that, you know, giving up one touchdown wasn't going to kill them, and the offense would go back onto the field and try to add to the lead, add to the lead. That's what I just don't know yet. And that's something that it's annoying to me if if that's the case, because I like these teams. These really good teams seem to, to against teams like Baylor, after halftime, they're able to step on their throat and give them no life. And Baylor came right back out in the third quarter. With that opening possession, went down and scored a touchdown and made it a twelve point game, I believe, and they were right back into the into the football game, or uh, yeah, it was, a, was it was it a twelve point game, twenty eight to sixteen, or yeah, something like that. So, anyways, I, the point being is that I haven't watched the whole thing back that thoroughly. You have, so uh, what are your? I, I guess you say you're you're excited, not excited. You're you're convinced this defense is better. Why?
1: Well, first of all, Lee, it's the the big plays. It it does seem like they've completely cleaned up the big plays. If you want to think back to last year in that game against Baylor, what's the thing that sticks out to you? And I think it's Denzel Mims running past Jordan Thomas um, and them honestly just getting a ton of just really explosive plays. I think if I recall from that game last year, Lee, Baylor wasn't particularly efficient on offense. In fact, they got stuffed quite a bit um, from drive to drive, but they were always able to seemingly come up with just a huge touchdown pass. That did not happen in this game. In fact, really, when Baylor had success, it really was all, it was a combination of one, them just taking exactly what OU was giving them, and two, I think Charlie Brewer being able to extend some plays and find some guys downfield or, or at the sticks, just kind of with his accuracy and also his mobility. So I think in some of it, you have to, you have to tip your cap to Charlie Brewer, who I think, you um, our scouting report on Himley, I think, was right on. He's a guy who's very accurate, but he's a guy when he tries to drive the ball past the numbers or across the field, he really struggles, and that ball kind of floats up there a little longer. Uh, a play that can kind of you can kind of point to would be that uh, that Trey Brown pick six that should have been that ball hung in the air just forever um and and not to go too much into that but that 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 should have been the play that completely put the game away if he would have taken that back to the house it would have been 35 to 6 uh game completely over at that point in time
0: but really oh really okay I was gonna ask you when did that play happening because I I mean obviously I remember the play I just don't remember the scenario so it was 28 to 6 at that point yes that play sure
1: uh yes that play happened uh, that play happened kind of right at the end of the second half Baylor's second to last possession. Wow, okay. I was, of was nope. I was thinking that was the second half. Nope, that happened was after halftime. That happened on their second to last <laughs> possession and I actually thought when I was rewatching it um, Brown almost picked it off and I actually thought that that was the drive that Baylor got the field goal on uh, but it wasn't actually. OU actually stopped them and then forced a punt and then OU's offense went 3 and out. On the next possession, which I actually I'm, I'm I'm I am gonna tick the offense for that one, Lee, because I, I will say now uh, it does kind of seem like those end of first half maybe two minute drills have been a bit of a problem the last three hmm. three games I think and against UCLA I think it was a problem too. I don't know if that's something that we need to look too much into, but that's you know that's a handful of games already where they've struggled to uh, to score at the end of the half when they kind of needed to. Uh, but we won't get too uh, too far into that right now. Um, Lee, to me, it just seemed like whenever the defense put pressure on Baylor, really, really good things happened. Um, Mike Stoops, a lot of the times, did bring pressure. We really wanted him to pressure Charlie Brewer and bring uh, bring blitzes from a lot of different angles, and largely they did that. Except in the first, uh, except at times in the second half, where where I think they were playing kind of a, a prevent like defense when they were up by a couple of scores. Um, you saw some aggressiveness from the defensive line that I really liked. Uh, Ronnie Perkins on his first sack of the day had a really nice stunt that I like to see, and I saw that some more over the course of the uh, of the game. There was just a lot on, of let's
0: let's let's stop you there, I because I actually saw that and I had a note about that. Yeah, it was a it was a nice stunt, you know, with Perkins looping around Gallimore to get the sack, and what I noticed. Duke doing a lot against Baylor when they played earlier was a lot of defensive line stunts. And I think Duke's got a pretty good defensive line. So maybe when you have more talent or you have more experienced players, like maybe Duke does, I I don't know. I'm not an expert on the Duke defensive line. It just seemed like it was a very good D line. Maybe you can do that more. Did Oklahoma do a lot of stunting on their defensive line the rest of the game that you noticed? Did you look out for that? Because that's something that I thought if Oklahoma played a little tighter coverage and, use those stunts and twist whatever you want to call them to get pressure with their front four I think that could have really given Oklahoma a chance to get pressure with four and then maybe if they sit an extra blitz or two it would give them even more pressure what did you see the rest of the game in that aspect
1: here's what I noticed Lee and I'll be I'll be curious to see if you agree when you go back and watch the tape a little more thoroughly I saw stunting and stuff like that primarily in third down blitz situations I really wish I would have seen it more, kind of in run situations, because I I really the, the defensive line in this game was not bad against the run. Their job really was just to take off, uh, take up blocks. It's it's disappointing that we're not seeing some more defensive linemen in the backfield getting people you know behind the sticks. Lee, I don't think in this game Oklahoma had one tackle for loss on a rush attempt. I looked, I looked back. They had, I I think they had you know. I want to say I'll have to go back and look but they had six sacks in the game and I think they only had six tackles for losses um and so so, and I think that's a problem going forward but at the same time it's hard to it's hard to criticize them a ton for it because really it was the same deal when Baylor had success running the ball it really was only in little two and three yard chunks so when
0: I hear if that's the case if when I go back and watch and that's what it is is they like to maybe stunt more when it's third down and they know it's a A passing situation, most likely for sure. To me, that my thought is that's Oklahoma's defense not wanting to take a risk on early down scenarios where it could be a run play and they could get out of their gaps and potentially give up a big run, which kind of tells me that they might not have a whole lot of confidence, honestly, in their linebackers and that they, on run plays, won't go to their correct gap because if they have defensive linemen that are stunting and getting away from their gaps and going around and, and maybe opening up holes. Maybe they're 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 concerned about uh you know, that extra help there from the defensive line or past the defensive line not getting there to make the tackles. So yeah, I guess I'm I'm curious to watch that more closely as I get more time to see this game.
1: Yeah, and that was so that was something I noticed as well. I thought there were a couple of instances where I picked out where I thought Curtis Bolton uh, maybe was a little too aggressive hitting a gap and he was he would lose contain on the edge there were times where Kenneth Murray kind of struggled with getting through the garbage through his gaps I um, mean they were able to kind of squirt through for five or six yards you know this stuff I, I suppose you could say is certainly preferable than them ripping off you know 60 65 yard plays every now and then but I guess one negative I'll bring up with this or I'll, I'll bring up one positive and then one negative associated with that is that Lee? Oklahoma's defense is certainly they're forcing offenses to go the length of the field on them this year efficiently, which is something they didn't necessarily do last year. Um, Last year they were, you know, it seems like they were playing safe last year and still going up long plays this year. They're playing safe and they really are just making the defense take exactly what's given to them. And, one of the one of the negatives of that is that you're going to be on the field a lot, and one of the reasons why Baylor was able to just extend drives is because Lee they they went to that hitch and little out routes to Denzel Mims and their out and their outside receivers when OU was given was given a lot of space and a lot of cushion. They just went to that all day long, and they were able to get seven, eight yards here, ten yards there, just kind of whenever they wanted to. And that was a little that was a little frustrating for sure. That allows them to extend drives. That means that your defense is going to be on the field longer. And that goes against exactly what you what you were saying, Lee. What you wanted them to do was, was, was to get into their face and play press coverage. They did do that sometimes, but there were a lot of, a lot of instances where they were given 10 to 12 yards of cushion, and Charlie Brewer and Denzel Mims, they were just like, okay, if you want to give us that, we're just going to take it all day long. And, you know, there were a lot of instances in this game, Lee, where Baylor was in second and three, third and four, just because of those little hitch routes that OU was giving up and, and and allowing. And when you do that, you put yourself in the position where you know, Charlie Brewer is a pretty good player, is, was my opinion of him after watching this game. And he is able to extend plays and get outside the pocket, keep his head downfield and find guys. And that's that's really what happened in this game. He was able to kind of pick Oklahoma apart on the edges with what Oklahoma was giving him with that cushion. And then on plays where, uh, on plays where he was pressured and he had to get flushed out, he did a really good job of keeping his head downfield to find open receivers for the first down. But Lee, really, for the most part, there was not, anybody flashing deep downfield and when they did go deep I thought it was defended pretty well Trey Brown made some good plays Parnell Motley made a good play on a deep throw um so I'm glad that's been cleaned up but you know there they are there are too many plays that I feel like they are conceding they're conceding seven to eight yards to the offense here and there and I think that needs to be cleaned up I I don't know after watching this game that I have a lot of confidence that that will be the case going forward this season um but we'll see for sure I I'm I really do think this defense is kind of more on track with you know, what we saw you know, between the UCLA and Iowa State games and what we saw against Army. This, the, the profile of the defense was much more consistent with the first three games, which for me is encouraging, Lee, because they're really young and they're going to get better as the season goes on. Kenneth Murray, is I, I don't think, is, is a great player yet, but he is so much better than he was last year. Just He, he's, he really is never out of position anymore and it's great to see
0: a couple of thoughts on on that you mentioned Charlie Brewer and I agree he's a good player and going into this game we were talking about how he's a he's a good player he's a nice player but I think Oklahoma's defense has the ability to make these good players these nice players look a lot better than they really actually are and that's a problem with the way they play defense and go back to the soft coverage look and as I've watched the first quarter i've seen the first two baylor series and i'm actually keeping a, a tracker of how many times charlie brewer obviously recognizes okay there's parnell motley playing 10 yards deep oh there's trey norwood playing 10 yards deep on my outside receiver how many times he recognizes that pre-snap and that's that's the throw he makes and so far i'm up to two and that's i'm through two possessions i'm i'm up to two now where it's clear where pre-snap there's a huge cushion and it's just an easy hey Denzel run eight yards and turn around and and base and you know with with Brewer he knows that and he can throw the ball basically as Mims is getting into his break and it makes it impossible for Oklahoma to come up there and break it up because it's just a timing route and there's nothing there uh, to stop Mims or whoever it is Chris Platt or whatever the receiver is Jalen Hurd from getting off the line of scrimmage and disrupting timing and like you said and it's uh, that it's easy, you know, six, seven, eight yards, and it makes it second down and short to where at that point now, even if Oklahoma plays up and actually does press the receivers, which I noticed this multiple times in that second possession where Baylor scored a touchdown, it was second down and three, second down and four, and, I, and they were up on the receivers. And I thought, great, but in those short yard situations, Baylor was able to run the football and pick up positive yardage and turn it into a third and one or get the first down, and at that point when they're not, throwing the ball, it doesn't really matter if they're up on the receivers that much like that. It kind of takes it away because the playbook is wide open at second down and four as opposed to second down and nine, second down and ten, to where now if you're playing press on the receivers, playing up on them, and it's second down and nine, okay, sure, let them run the ball for three yards, four yards, because that's all they were getting, like you were saying. Then it's third and five. Then it's third and six. And then they probably do throw a lot more, and then you can really play up there and press Brewer and give him – uh, some different looks and make it more difficult for him to convert those third downs. And then whenever he's extending plays, there's not going to be as many guys open, you'd hope, because maybe you have a, a green dog blitzer coming in on, on man-to-man coverage and you can make some more plays. But yeah, whenever you're conceding all those yards early in the downs, early in the down, early in the series, it just you're, you're making it difficult on yourself in a, in a way wherever the defense is actually trying to make it easy on themselves. So yeah, as I watch the game more and more, I'm, I'm going to keep counting how many times that happens, and it sounds like listening after listening to you, that's going to happen a lot more as the game progresses, which is concerning because we've seen this over and over and over again for the last few years, and so I just don't think it's going to change at all. I mean, we've seen enough evidence that it that, to this point that it's not going to change, which is super frustrating.
1: I think Lee, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that I think that's just how Oklahoma wants to play defense, or this or this defensive staff. That's how they want to play. And you can even point towards, you know, let's go back to the Zach Sanchez years where that was kind of his that was kind of his bread and butter. He would jump those those hitch and curl routes. And I I think that is really how they want their defensive backs to play. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think it allows, you know, it's it allows your defense to be kind of pinpricked to death down the field, uh, which is what Baylor certainly tried to do. The counter argument to that is Oklahoma's offense is just so explosive that every time they get the ball back, you know it's just you're you're basically putting so much pressure on the other offense to match score for score, and the, and honestly, Lee, there's really, I mean, there's maybe four or five offenses in the country that can probably do that, you know, actually, you know, trade trade right hooks, right and left hooks with Oklahoma's offense, so mm-hmm. you know it's I I can see where they're coming. Coming from from that angle and also Lee I you know I, they're rushing the past are just so much better than than uh than they did last year and I and I think that is absolutely because obo Okoronkwo graduated it has completely made Mike Stoops be more creative on defense he relied on obo to generate pressure by himself way too much and the and one of the misnomers I think is that you know obo didn't have a great second half to the season in, in 2017. Um, and they still relied on him to generate pressure when he really wasn't. So I'm I'm really happy to see how much they're blitzing and, and actually and how much they're getting home in, in the first five games of the season. I think that's going to be a huge deal against Texas, against a Texas you know offensive line that still is kind of struggling uh, to to protect the quarterback, and also a Texas offense that isn't particularly efficient. But I, I'm getting a little head you know ahead of myself sure, there. Sure. Um You know I I, I this defense. A lot of good things happen when they're aggressive, um, and, and I I can see what Mike Stoops is doing. He is trying to split the baby, and he's trying not to be too aggressive. He's trying to, he's trying to to formulate some sort of happy medium with it. Um, but I'm very encouraged with you know they really are able to get pressure on on third down a lot this season, and I think their defensive backs and man coverage are good enough to hold up until pressure can get home. Um, I, there there's some things that you can nitpick with I, I think some of the outside rushers sometimes you know run themselves out of the play when they're rushing the passer I saw Kenneth Murray do that a few times um, but sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the to the guys blocking on the outside there as well um, what else i I, I kind of want to go through and start talking about individual well, players or sure. unless you want to you want to pivot somewhere else
0: well just uh just to to your point whenever you brought up you know that there, all the evidence and everything we've seen it just shows that that's probably the philosophy that Oklahoma wants to to utilize on defense with the kind of the soft coverage and and uh, I like how you said it's like you know teams can pinprick you down the field and it's just like death by a thousand cuts in a way and uh, that's kind of what Army did with all the short rushing yards. Here's the thing I will say on, on a positive note: if this is the way Oklahoma want, wants to play, okay, it's this. This is how it's always kind of been. And last year they were playing that way and they were having the soft coverage, which is designed. To keep everything in front of you and limit the explosive plays, but a season ago, Oklahoma still allowed a lot of explosive plays. If they've cleaned it up, actually, like you have said, if they've and they did they did against Baylor, they did against Baylor. They cleaned it up. They only allowed uh, the one, you know, forty-five yard play, which honestly, after not, I haven't rewatched it yet, I don't even really, rem- I don't remember that play. I don't even remember what it was. An, I, it
1: was in garbage time. It was literally so, the very last drive of their game. It was to Chris Platt. It was so a, yeah, so yeah.
0: good. So I mean it came when it didn't matter if they're actually limiting those explosive plays playing this philosophy that's the point and that's a lot better than the alternative when you're you're uh, you're designing your defense to not allow big plays and to play soft coverage and keep everything in front of you and you're still giving up big plays which is a huge problem at least if they're if they're playing the defense within the actual system and limiting the opposing team I suppose i I guess I'll take it if they continue to not give up the big plays. I just I want to see him get off the field a lot more because I just don't think this defense is going to be able to hold up throughout 12 games and plus more. Hopefully, if they're on the field for in the Big 12 for 80, 90 plays, it's just man, it's 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 not something that's sustainable in my opinion.
1: I'll uh, I, I I I agree with your underlying point there, Lee. I I do think um, that especially in the big 12, if you're daring teams just to take what you're going to give them to drive the ball down the field, that is a bit of a dangerous proposition for sure. I will play a little devil's advocate with you, Lee, um, that Charlie Brewer, um, his, his accuracy throwing the football is, is very real that he's, he's a good player. And so like that, those little, uh, seven or eight yard hitch routes, that was automatic for him. And I will say this, Lee, that is not automatic for every single offense in the Big 12. There are teams that are going to struggle with that, you know, on a play-by-play basis or at least, you know, stringing together three or four of those in a row. And so if you are, especially in college football, if you are forcing the defense to be efficient and, you know, drive the field in 10, 11, 12 plays against you, there really are there really only are a handful of offenses in all of college football who are capable of doing that and keeping up with Oklahoma's offense. And Baylor's not capable of doing that. You saw it, and they actually did a pretty decent job. You know, Brewer is an accurate thrower. He made some really nice throws in that game. And just off the top of my head, Lee, I can really only think of one one team in the Big Twelve, honestly, that I think can do that at a higher level than Charlie Brewer is able to, and that's West Virginia. Unless I'm just unless I'm just totally whiffing on somebody.
0: I mean, Sean Robinson's going to be able to complete. Ten yard outs and pitches, no problem. Are you sure, like
1: hope. accurately, like that, just consistently I mean, over the course of the game? Because Brewer was Brewer yeah. only yeah. missed like I mean, that's one an or easy two throw. of those throws. I, it's an okay. easy
0: throw. I mean, there's no there's no pressure on you. The guy's wide open because there's no defensive back there. I I mean, you're you're that's the easiest throw in the book. And the, and the only thing that's going to limit it is if it's on the wide side of the field. It's on the field side, and maybe the quarterback is is not confident enough in their arm strength to throw it across the field like that, which I mean that'll happen every once in a while but I mean oftentimes they'll play boundary side 10 yard cushion and that's an easy 12 20 yard throw for a quarterback that's at the college level yeah
1: I mean Okay. And you know I, I was I mean sure. Alex Delton could make those throws oh, okay. Over, and over Okay. And over okay, again. let's let's not give Alex Delton too much credit. That was <laughs> as, as a football fan that was kind of offensive what you just said. <laughs> Anywho. Uh and what I mean I'm sure Alex Delton is a very fine human being. We just we just jest. Anyway, but yeah, I, I was just playing devil's advocate. I, I I I tend to agree with what you're saying. I'm just I I am just saying, from what I've seen so far, Lee, if Oklahoma would have had this defense last year, they wouldn't have won the national championship. They would have. Well, um, let me play so some I'm, more
0: devil's advocate though for you, Grant. Through five games this season. Remember I said they're just a, a smidge over five yards per play allowed, which is which is pretty good considering last year they finished at five point eight. I look back through five games a season ago. You know what Oklahoma's defense was at average yards per play, and this is a defense that was giving up explosive plays. Tell five point five point one.
1: Okay, well, and also Lee, I, it's so almost exactly sure, the same. Sure, and and I'm I, I was I was looking I I was looking at their S and P stat profile after the Army game, and I didn't want to bring this up because I think the Army game absolutely skewed a lot of these statistics. But we've kind of seen. Uh, Basically an exact opposite of the defense that we saw last year. So specifically last year, the defense on a play by play basis in terms of how many successful plays they gave up, they were actually fairly efficient. I think they were in the they were in the 30s in the country in success rate on defense. But of course they were like 119th in explosive plays allowed. Whereas whereas so far this year, Lee, I think they're in the twenties in terms of explosive plays allowed, and they were in the 70s in terms of efficiency. And I think a lot of that has to do with those little three, four, five little small little you know, squirt run plays that they're giving up on a on a consistent basis. And of course the army game really, you know, skewed that. I just I tell me, Lee, if if if, if you've seen this as well. They they've just they've been in so many little third and threes and third and twos that the opposing offense has been able to pick up fairly easily just by being able to squirt past the defensive line and just falling forward. Yeah, that, you know that's, that's
0: it. It seems like there's a I mean the tackle. I mean Blinken Rally said the tackling wasn't great again last night uh, on Saturday. We, of course, we record these on Sundays. And tackling, again, was a bit of an issue against Baylor. And it's just, yeah, it seems like every every single team all season long, even the not-so-great not teams like FAU didn't play very well and, and even UCLA, everybody falls forward. Everybody's getting extra yard, like an extra yard, when they're getting tackled. Nobody really is going backwards. It seems like once, of course, they've crossed the line of scrimmage and they're getting positive yards. I mean, if people get sacked or whatever, get tackled for a loss, you're going backwards. But yeah, I, it seems like there's—I don't know if just there's Oklahoma's tackling is is not so sound. Or, but yeah, just every single player that gets positive yardage just seems to always fall forward for an extra yard, which is. Super, super frustrating.
1: Here here's here's what I here's what I've noticed, because you just brought it up. Their tackling is not sound. You you hit it right on the on the head. How often do they wrap up and bring a guy to the ground? They like, always
0: they always try to tackle people high. I mean, that's like football one oh one. I noticed that with, high.
1: I noticed that I noticed that all the time with Curtis Bolton. He 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 very rarely tries to, you know, go below the waist and tackle. Um, you know, and you know, I mean, that's I,
0: I don't have anybody specifically off the top of my head. I I think like almost everybody goes high. I mean, you mentioned sure. Bolton. I'll have to watch more closely. But yeah, I like Kenneth Murray. I sure. know. Yeah, Ives. seems like
1: he goes high a lot. Kenneth yeah. Murray is Kenneth Murray has put himself this season in a lot of positions to make really good plays behind the line of scrimmage where he's one on one with a running back or or what have you, and he just you know he breaks down and and he just sometimes just can't get the guy to the floor. There were a couple there were a couple times in this game on Saturday where that that exact thing happened on third down him one-on-one with uh, Jermichael hasty and hasty was able to just to kind of hop around him and uh yeah Lee there were times where they this defense made Jermichael hasty just look like this the slipperiest player in the entire country yeah and yeah. I'm that's something that you know I did not see at all going back and watching Baylor Jermichael hasty struck me as as an unremarkable player
0: none of their running backs are particularly great i mean they're not they, they didn't do anything in the games that i watched
1: but yeah they and, they, they certainly yeah. need to do a better job especially their linebackers of one-on-one tackling and i think that's clear to anyone who sees them um i i don't and and the problem with that is i'm not sure how much that they can improve on that as the season goes because yeah, i, I don't, mean if I don't you're know either a lot of that stuff is fundamental and um we'll see yeah and tackling
0: one-on-one is is incredibly difficult don't get me wrong i mean it's it's one of the hardest things you got to do on a, as a defensive player because the guy with the football knows where they're going. You have no idea what they're doing. So a lot of it to me is I, I know when I see the really good teams that are really good at tackling. I mean, obviously a lot of the really good teams are able to rally to the football and there's multiple people there to make the tackle. But even when it's one on one, it seems like whether it's a defensive back or a linebacker. Uh, not so much defensive linemen because they're always in the muck in the middle of the line and they're trying to get off blocks and it's more strength strength there's not a whole lot of opportunities for defensive linemen to make tackles in space but linebackers secondary players it seems like the really good tacklers when they decide that they want to go and tackle somebody they do it they don't hesitate they don't like kind of break their feet down and wait for the the ball carry to kind of make a move they just immediately just drive right at the player and make the tackle and not give the ball carrier a chance to make a move. And that's a lot easier said than done. You got to be a really good player to do that. But I mean, I noticed that at least one time uh, in the game on Saturday where there was a I think the very first play of the game. Actually, it might have been a, you know, a check down to the running back and whoever it was, Bolton or Murray just kind of sat there and kind of waited for the guy to make a move as opposed to just, you know, what, the guy made the catch. I'm going to just going to drive at him and tackle him and, tr- and tackle through the guy and not even give him a chance to make some sort of juke move. And I see that a lot with the Oklahoma secondary and the Oklahoma linebackers is is when a ball a ball is caught by a player, there's a set down and kind of wait as opposed to just like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to keep running through this guy and make the tackle. And a lot of that comes from, you know, they're missing a lot of tackles, so they're afraid to miss the tackle. That's probably why they're breaking down to make sure they don't miss a tackle. But it's, a, it's like a double-edged sword, you know, like when you miss enough of them and your confidence starts to wane, then it, you're, everybody's going to start Falling forward and you're not going to make Any big plays when it comes to tackling That's kind of what I've seen uh, From Oklahoma and then when when you see the good Players and the good teams make tackles they're they're just making instant inst- and inst- their instincts are kicking in and they're making decisions they're going and they're making tackles
1: yeah and and I'm not sure if that's something that is just you know maybe they just don't work on tackling it that much in practice it might be innate too or... it just
0: it might be something that's just inside you and it's difficult to practice
1: for sure and so and Lee there were there really were quite a few times in this game where I feel like the defense did what they were supposed to do in terms of zone coverage and you know Uh, forcing them to throw the ball before the sticks and they were putting themselves in positions where they were, you know, they had a one-on-one opportunity to make a tackle before the sticks. And they were just, they allowed Jamichael hasty or whoever, just to kind of squirt around them or fall forward for a first down and stuff like that is pretty, it's infuriating. And it really extended a lot of drives for Baylor. And I, and I, if they could clean that up, that would go a long ways uh, towards helping their defense get off the field. Because like you said, 101 plays, you, you can't, that's so many plays and and I think a lot of that I think this is a game Lee where you can point towards the offense and say hey that the offense scoring so quickly and maybe also struggling to sure, run the ball sure, so much sure. that actually played a that did play a part um, in the defense being on the on the field so much yeah you know Baylor averaged less than five yards per play in this game um, so let's let, let's let's give Oklahoma credit for that um, but also they were they were fairly efficient in this game they were able to move the chains a lot of times Um and Lee, before I forget about it, I do want to to move back backwards towards uh, the tackling issue. Um, it's it's not necessarily just you know one on one and you know one on one in the open field, Lee. We saw issues in this game where guys not being able to take down the quarterback when they had just a free shot at him, a free run. Um, and that's yeah. and I'm gonna I'll I'll call out Mark Jackson on this on this one play who who had an opportunity to blindside Brewer and for somehow I have no idea how. Oh, oh my God, how did he not bring Brewer down on that one? I, and that, and everybody knows the exact play I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I just, I just have to, to, to point that out because it was, it was really confusing, honestly. But other than that, Lee, I thought, uh, I thought Mark Jackson was the best player on the defense on Saturday. They couldn't block him. He was in the backfield all game rushing the passer. Um, he, he, he was flushing Brewer out of the pocket all game. I, I thought Mark Jackson was great on Saturday. Um, who else? It was, uh, Justin Broyles was the other one who had a free shot at, uh, at Brewer and just whiffed on him, tried to arm tackle him when he had a free shot at him. Um, so that was, that was an interesting thing as well. They, they should have, they should have had eight sacks yesterday instead of six. And so, you know, those would have, I, I think both of those plays happened on scoring drives too. They scored on both of those drives Ugh, and and that could man. have, you know, that, that could have stopped them dead right there. So Uh, Those were a couple that I wanted to uh, bring up. I'm kind of on to miscellaneous little notes that I've put here now, Lee. Um, Here's one thing I want to bring up. I want to see if you noticed it as well. Um, You'll probably notice it more on the rewatch. Caleb Kelly came into the game about halfway through the third quarter, Lee, Mm -hmm. Um, and his athleticism advantage over Curtis Bolton was just blatantly obvious on tape blatantly obvious um and that that's not a rip on bolton because bolton i think has been has certainly been a positive this year um it was just an observation and i don't want to i don't want to start you know the train too early and say hey maybe the light's coming on for caleb kelly but that was the most comfortable i have seen him play since the the sugar bowl against auburn back at the end of the 2016 season he he looked like he was flying around out there Um, and if that's the Caleb Kelly that you know we would presumably see for the rest of the season that's a guy i probably want playing over curtis bolton
0: and he had a lot of praise for mike stoops and, and lincoln riley in the post game and he looked like he was just having a great time he was having a lot of fun out there you could tell he he it had been a while since he he played some some big minutes in a game some big snaps in a game and when he got a chance to blindside charlie brewer he sure didn't miss
1: Kill, man he i think killed him that was one of the more uh painful looking hits i've ever yeah. seen
0: that was a violent-looking sack on uh, on Charlie Brewer it, by Caleb Kelly. Ooh, ooh, yeah, uh, another I mean. uh,
1: another thing that really stood out to me too, Lee, is they when you know Kelly was in there, they they sent him after the quarterback quite a bit, and not just his kind of his uh, his ability to sort of be slippery and kind of squirt through some blocks but Lee Hugh also showed a willingness to take got blockers on and and drive them back there was a uh, there was a play that Ronnie Perkins had his second sack of the game on that uh where Caleb Kelly I think blitzed through the A gap and he took on the running back who was supposed to block him and Caleb Kelly just blew him up and and continue to go right after Brewer. And so stuff like that is really great to see from Caleb Kelly. We didn't see any of that at all really in his in his first two seasons.
0: That's good. I'm looking back at the postgame quotes from Caleb Kelly. and he just uh it, it sounds it seems like you know you, you watch him on the field and you see him on the sideline. he's always even though he hasn't been playing much, he's always super engaged and he's always he looks like he's he's just a great team guy. and uh, he says this is a, a quote from him. Uh, after last night's game or after Saturday's game, he says, I played before. So guys still have that respect for me. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. Sorry. I, not blah, blah, blah. what He said, um, Caleb said, guys are coming up to me. Like Caleb Kelly's on the sideline. Why are you so positive? And I'm like, I'm here for my brothers. I can't just be here for myself and not be here for my bros. And so it, it's not just talk with him. He's actually backing it up when you see him on the field. And then when he gets a chance to go in there and contribute plays, well, I, that's, yeah I mean it, there's nothing else to say other than that's a huge positive if, if this guy who has had so much hype and he's got so much talent uh, can actually start to contribute even more and, and right now with Oklahoma's defense just it seems like guys are going down and, and all these plays they're, they're, they're out there for I mean they need depth as much as possible and if they can get another guy like Caleb Kelly of his talent to actually start playing more snaps that's awesome. Hopefully that continues.
1: So, Lee, I, I have I have like two more observations um, that I want to say before we move on to the offense. Number one, uh, Marquez Overton didn't play a ton in this in that game, but when he did, generally the he he took up blockers enough for that the linebackers had free run to the gaps to take on the running backs. So Marquez Overton is you know they say he's the run stuffer, and it showed up on tape. Um, he, he did a really good job of, uh, of taking up blocks and making sure that Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton had, had a clean shot at the running back when he was in there. He didn't, he didn't play a ton. I also did notice Lee when he was in there, he is a complete non-factor run, rushing the passer. So that's that's why you're probably not going to see over 10 you know, at all times. Um, but I, just, I wanted to bring that up as well. And uh, also Lee, I don't know, do, do you have any other observations? Oh, sorry, one more. Um, yeah go for I, it i had said two weeks ago leave and you kind of laughed it off and scoffed at me um trey brown is the best player in the secondary he is and he needs to be starting
0: i haven't seen enough of it i i when, when you drop a pick six and then the next play you make an okay play I, but I, I have a whole thing on the secondary right now that there the secondary is kind of bothering me I'll, I'll admit it right now and this is it's not just oklahoma because i'm sure you can look at Pretty much every single college football team out there, maybe NFL team, but I just I I I guess uh, you know the whole the saying of like you know if you're if you're a cornerback or a safety, you have to have the shortest memory ever. You know you have you get burned on a touchdown and then you got to totally forget about it and come back and make a play. I mean the Oklahoma secondary is taking that to the next level because when you see these guys make a bad play or miss a play and then the next play or play later they they kind of knock a ball away or they kind of make a play that's maybe not really on them. It's just a bad throw and they'll, they'll get up and they'll, they'll do the, the incomplete sign and they'll look all you know, the swagger and things like that. It's like, God, like literally a play ago, you could have had a touchdown, but you dropped a pick. And like, it's just, everybody does it. And it's great. If it, like I love the secondary, cause I think it's the best position group on the team, but man, they need to start making some more plays, man. I, so I don't know. I, I'll watch the tape again and see if I have the same conclusion as you. But to me, all the all the secondary players, for the most part, to me are just kind of all jumbled together. Not one player has really stood out to me, just to the naked eye. To be honest with you,
1: and that's why uh, Lee. To me, Trey Brown is the one guy who is making who is making plays in the secondary consistently. That that one missed pick six, notwithstanding, and he's the one guy, Lee, who 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 is going to get up there and he's going to wrap you up and bring you to the ground. Too, he can tackle well, I
0: like that I like that
1: a lot and so you know I that guy he needs to be starting and I'm it's he's, he's playing a lot I, I know he's playing a lot but he's I, he needs to be on the field at all times I he, he's the best player that they have in that group right now and I think probably over time that it, it might be Buki I think he just needs one play to sort of unlock him and I, I think it'll it'll come in waves for him but so far, through, through the course of the season, he, I think you know Trey Brown's been the best player in the secondary. He needs to be on the field at all times, or at least just as much as humanly possible. Um, and Lee, thats that's really my, my final thoughts on the defense before we, you know, but before we move on to the offense. but I, I think I, I, I'm feeling a lot better than I did uh, a week ago at this time. I, I do think that the army game um, certainly whacked me out. It, it got sort of my perception of things really sort of out of line. And I, I really do feel like we know more about this defense. I, I feel like I know who they are now. And it's they're better than last year, but they're still just not great. They're they're okay. And I think this year they're capable of getting off the field, whereas last year they really just weren't capable of it.
0: Well, you admit that the Army game whacked you out, and I think a big reason why it whacked you out is because you have this weird you have this weird thought of like Army being a really awful team. And Army again, like Army's a good football team and I it, like, again, my my saying my stance on this has been the same for the last week. Relative to Oklahoma, Army's not a good football team. Teams like Oklahoma and that elite level, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all those like, those – relative to those teams, Army's not a good team, of course. Those teams should beat Army by minimum three to five touchdowns. But to the rest of college football, Army's a good football team. Army's going to win probably nine or ten games again this season. And again, I mean, they, they handed Buffalo its first loss of the year on Saturday. It, it, the only team that Hawaii has lost to, I haven't checked Hawaii from this past Saturday, so maybe Hawaii, maybe Hawaii lost again this Saturday. I'm not sure, but uh, Hawaii's only loss was to Army uh, this season. So, I mean, Army is going to win a lot of games because of the way they play with that offense. They don't make mistakes, and it, it forces a defense to be perfect for the most part. And that's so hard to go against because when you have a team like Army, who, again, like is so efficient with that offense, man, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. okay. So and Hawaii now is five and one. So the only team that Hawaii's lost to is is Army. So, again, I mean, I think that that's probably a big reason why the Army game kind of got you so off whack because you just you thought Army was like UTEP or something, (laughs) you know?
1: I didn't necessarily think they were UTEP. I just thought they're just a bad team that I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, clearly, I, I, I'm clearly wrong about that. I mean, I, we were texting yesterday morning and I said, you know, it's, it, I can't wait until Buffalo beats army by three touchdowns and makes all the people who say they're good, look stupid. And of course I'm the one who looks stupid there because I think it was the reverse. I think army beat them by like four touchdowns actually. Um, so, Hey, you know, what? I'll, I'll tip my cap to Army, and I guess I will concede they're a good team. Having that been said, two things can be true at once, and Oklahoma should not be in an overtime game against Army. They just shouldn't be. Yeah, I agree. That's and what so, I was saying. Like it, yeah. that's, what, that's why the context and the nuance is important. Sure. Uh, Lee, you want to move on to the offense? What was up with the uh, – why couldn't they run the ball?
0: So you you tell me. You watched it back. Was the offensive line not getting on blocks, or is is this a scenario where –
1: Baylor sold it, out, sold out to stop okay. the run. Okay, see, I was in.
0: I was wondering that. I was wondering that because I mean, obviously, Kyler Murray did whatever he wanted through the air, absolutely whatever he wanted.
1: Go back, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you to go back and watch it a lot more closely. Um, Baylor went after the counter tray extremely aggressively. Uh, it reminded me of UCLA in that. I think, I think Baylor might have lifted their game plans straight from UCLA. Um, just going okay. really after they, they blitzed. Uh, It seems like on 80% of the snaps, I I would guess. Um, And they were just any time Oklahoma showed any sort of run look or the look of a run look, Baylor was was attacking downhill on the gaps very aggressively. Um, And it's no surprise that when they did that, Oklahoma had maybe the most efficient passing day in the history of college football. That's what happens yeah um so and and that's (laughs) That's funny and and, and that's not to excuse you know what you know what's going on I I would hope even when they are going after it aggressively I would hope that's that this offensive line especially against a Baylor defense that has frankly been awful this season against the run I still would have liked them to be able to break some stuff off and uh the offensive line lead did not play particularly well I think this was the worst game the offensive line has played this season um I, I'm, I'd be curious to talk to Bill Biedenboe after that game to see how he would diagnose it. Um, ben Powers being hurt certainly did not help. Uh, Jonathan Alvarez played left guard for him. I didn't notice Alvarez being particularly bad or anything like that, but the offensive line, especially on the counter tray at times, Lee just looked a tick slow. Like the, maybe the communication wasn't as great. Um, okay. and you know, but Baylor really went after the counter tray very, very aggressively. And it it showed in the back half of their defense. I mean, Oklahoma's receivers had so much space to maneuver. I mean, it was it was hilarious at time how much how much space they had.
0: Yeah, a lot of it was just Kyler Murray delivering. I mean, later in the game was him just getting the ball out to C.D. Lamb on that long play, or just getting the ball out to Marquise Brown. And it was at that point Baylor was putting their defensive secondary kind of on an island, like one on one against those guys, and. Man, you ain't gonna tackle those guys one on one, especially Marquise Brown.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, I, I can see what Baylor was trying to do there. Um you know, I don't know. I I'm I'm starting to think maybe the best the the best way to defend them is the is the Iowa State approach. Make them be efficient and drive the ball downfield on you and don't just don't just give them the you know, the eighty six yard touchdowns. Cause I feel I mean, they they sent the house on Lamb's eighty six yard touchdown and they just Kyler Murray just had to uh, he just had to wait long enough to get it out. And and he <laughs> and so, was yeah, and I mean, he was but, gone.
0: And and well and also good on the offensive line for allowing Murray to be able to wait long enough sure. to get the ball out.
1: Also on that Lee, you'll see it um, when you when you rewatch it. Trey Sermon had an awesome blitz pickup on that play. Um, Sermon, he, on, the li- on a blitzing linebacker, the blitzing linebacker actually stunted around to a different gap, and Sermon was actually able to rotate over, and he knocked him in the mouth when he, when he was going through the gap. And, that, awesome. and, and just that split second allowed uh, Murray the, the time to get it out because otherwise, if Sermon wouldn't have picked that up, uh, he would have been sacked, most likely. Um, so th- I thought that was a great, and that's just a, a nice tip of the cap to Trey Sermon. And I, I did say that the offensive line, I thought this was the, their worst game. Um, they, just, they just had some warts and some glitches at times. Um, but at times in pass protection, they were very, very good again. Um, so you know, I, I thought there were some things they definitely need to clean up. Uh, I thought Bobby Evans had his weakest game of the season. There were, uh, he had some penalties, and he had some instances where he, uh, he, he kind of let his, his man get around him. But other than that, you know, we've we've seen it from Bobby Evans and we know he's you know, we know he's a he's a really good player and and hopefully they can get Ben Powers back next week for Texas. Um, but you know, Lee, other than that, I mean, this this offense is it's very explosive. It's in in a lot of ways it's exactly kind of how I envisioned it going to this season. Lee, I think you know, we we had said hey, I think this offense is probably going to take a bit of a step back from last season, and I think it has in the terms of efficiency. The offense isn't quite as efficient as it was last year under under Mayfield, um, but we did say don't be surprised if they're a tad more explosive than they were last year, and I think you're seeing that. I think this is the most explosive offense in the country.
0: Yeah, I think there's no question it's the most explosive offense in the country. The the one concern I have right now, the main concern and we'll find out a lot more about this. We'll, we'll, we'll learn if this concern is valid or not in the next uh, two to three weeks. Oklahoma still hasn't seen a, a really good defense. Iowa State's easily the best defense that Oklahoma has seen. And Iowa State's got a nice defense. Don't get me wrong. We, we'll we we'll pump it up all the time here on West of Everest. Iowa State, I think you've said you think Iowa State's got, what, like a top 20 defense or top 20, or so, I don't know. I mean, or at least last year. I'm t- I mean, not this year maybe. I mean, I, I – Iowa State's defense is easily a top forty defense, probably in the nation. But now they got to play against Texas, who always has a good defense recently, and then against TCU after a bye. That's I. If if I see Kyler Murray in this offense continue to look this explosive, uh, and and do the thing like I guess do certain things where it's you know making the right decisions with the football pulling it down to run when he needs to. Like Kyler Murray has shown all year long, he's been able to do an excellent job of deciding when and when not to run. If he's able to do that against good defenses like Texas and TCU and Oklahoma is able to score some points like that, I'm going to start to change uh, a, a, my thinking on this team completely, I bet. because if, if but The whole hang-up for me and probably a lot of Oklahoma supporters and fans is always Baker Mayfield's gone. Baker Mayfield's awesome. He is so good. Kyler Murray's really good too, but he's not Baker Mayfield. If Kyler Murray can show against good defenses that he's he's just as, as good as he's has been so far through five games, I'm going to start to get really excited, Grant. And and I'm excited to see how, how this goes against a, a good Texas defense.
1: Lee, we're gonna we're gonna find out, you know, a whole lot about Oklahoma's offense in these next two weeks against Texas and TCU. Lee, if they're able to rip off these big you know, plays against Texas, watch out. Uh, for this offense because they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type who thinks, you know, anyone who says this offense is, I think you said it in your opening take there, this offense is, is not better than last year's offense. I don't really care what anyone says uh, up up to this point of the season, just because they haven't been as efficient running the ball and they still need to find a, a replacement, you know, in, in terms of explosiveness for Rodney Anderson and what, what we'll get to Kennedy Brooks later. Um, but you know, if, if they can prove, Lee, that they can at least sort of be a little similar to last year's offense, um, which was the best offense in the history of college football, then I, I think the defense has improved enough that, you know, they're ob- I think they're for sure a college football playoff contender, but maybe they've improved enough to where that, you know, once you get into a playoff scenario that anything can happen. And so everyone was scared or, or concerned about the loss of Baker Mayfield. Lee, but Kyler Murray has been Heisman good. So far this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I'm it's I'm not um, I'm not shocked because I was I I had kind of shocked that he's not Heisman good. But I have been shocked that he's been this good, if that makes sense, just because I think I I think Baker Mayfield sort of raised the the you know, the level of, of what you expect from a quarterback last season. Kyler Murray I don't think has gotten to that point this year, but I think he is certainly on the level of past Heisman trophy winning quarterbacks right now, and that's extremely significant. So, I am I'm very happy with with Kyler Murray. I think I had said quietly over the course of the summer, I'm not worried at all about the guy. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12, and I think I think he is he has proven that up to this point. He he is the best quarterback in the Big 12. Um even even more even over Will Greer. So, um I'm not going to yeah. argue with you. I think he's played better than Greer
0: too. I think Greer, uh, and it's not like it's not like Greer has faced really any stout defenses yet either. And and so it's kind of they're kind of the same in that aspect where that OU hasn't. I mean, I mean OU, I guess in a way has probably faced a better defense than Greer has in Iowa yeah. State.
1: Yeah, and Lee, I, I just I, I want to go back to just the 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 fortune that Oklahoma has had over the last two decades at the quarterback position. Um, it has got to be just completely unmatched. Um, I, I just they they just keep they just keep rolling out good quarterbacks and I, I mean even even kind of the low tier quarterbacks Lee and off the top of my head you would probably in that low tier you know you would probably put what Trevor Knight Blake Bell and Nate Hibble and even those guys have had some really great moments at Oklahoma and then from there you, you know you just you have guys who are just great I mean Sam Bradford Baker Mayfield Josh Heupel and now Kyler Murray that's 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 very uncommon um, and it says a lot. I mean, Kyler Murray is a really good player. I, I did not. I, I expected him to be a lot more dynamic with his legs than he's uh, than he's been so far. I didn't expect him to be able to sit in the pocket and and just pick defenses apart like this. That is very surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I was hoping he would be because that's what I, I know he's always wanted to be. And it's just it's it's incredible the the growth since his true freshman year at Texas A and I mean, we could talk about this for. Forever, and I. That was yeah, yeah, and and I still
1: think Lee in a a playoff scenario. And I know I'm getting way ahead of my skis here. This is just a hypothetical playoff scenario. I still think he's going to have to have a Johnny Manziel like performance with his legs to win a national championship. Um, But I think that's always going to be in the in you know a bullet in the chamber. And if they if they don't have to use that until they absolutely have to, I'm okay with that because I want to keep that guy as healthy as humanly possible.
0: And so is the Oakland A's, man. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying, like, he thing is with Kyler, like he doesn't he doesn't really want to use his legs, and that's what, that's what makes him so different. Is like you see a player like, and this is, you know, even even college wise, play like Lamar Jackson. Watching him, Lamar Jackson, yeah, this is last year he was trying to throw the football a little bit more, but you could just tell that when something wasn't right for him throwing the ball, he would he would immediately default to I I'm super athletic, I want to run. Whereas Kyler Murray doesn't have that. He, he wants to throw the ball. He wants to deliver the football within the scheme of the offense, within the, the context of the play. And that's what's so great about Lincoln Riley's offense and just how just Lincoln Riley in general is, is he's, he's so incredibly gifted at designing plays and and, and coordinating an offense that gets the best out of, out of all these different players he has come through. Because, I mean, yeah, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield are, are pretty, op- pretty opposite in the way they are. Uh, they both have very good arms. Baker Mayfield obviously has a has a more accurate football, but they both have strong arms. But man, Murray's got a, a lot more leg ability than Mayfield had, no doubt about it. A lot more athleticism, and it's just seamless the transition from Mayfield to Murray. And that's that's a lot, obviously, on Kyler Murray. But man, you can't give enough credit to Lincoln Riley, and 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 here on this here on this podcast and, and throughout Sooner Nation, I just. Just the the admiration for this guy when it comes to calling offense is is incredible, man. It's just it's just it's we're so lucky that this is the team that we like to follow in college football. And uh, you mentioned the quarterbacks about how how good the quarterbacks have been at Oklahoma. As for me, as a guy who likes the Chicago Bears in the NFL and a team that is, can never find a quarterback, I mean, literally a couple weeks ago, I I took a notepad out and was watching the Bears play against uh, it was either the Packers or their second game. And I was taking notes because I was so mad at the lack of uh, the, the ability to play the quarterback position at a high level of Mitchell Trubisky compared to where Baker Mayfield already is as a rookie in the NFL. And I was taking notes about just all these mistakes that Mitchell Trubisky was making that Baker Mayfield would make look so easy. And it's just like this is so maddening because like our, our standard for quarterback play at Oklahoma that we get to watch all this time is so high. That I just when I watch the Bears play, it's just it's so maddening because I think well, Trubisky is is just not anywhere near as good as Baker Mayfield already is, and I know I'm kind of going off on an NFL college football tangent, but but the point is is just we are incredibly lucky to be able to watch this kind of offense and this kind of genius at this level, and it's it's so fun.
1: Okay, Lee, uh, well said. I just wanna before we before we kind of wrap this up here, I just I just kind of wanna bring up different players and just – I'm going to say something. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, number one, uh, should Lee Morris be playing over Grant Calcaterra? Um, I don't know. I have no – he, he had
0: some drops, Calcaterra did, which was disconcerting.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm – and just – I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer the question as well. I am leaning towards that right now. Calcaterra has had multiple drops this season. He also fumbled against Iowa State and you know he also had he's been disappointing that's that's he also had a he also had a great touchdown catch in this game as well that's the calcaterra we want to see and i'm not saying that they should bury calcaterra on the bench i'm saying that lee moore should probably be ahead of calcaterra on the depth chart right now because i think he's been better all right and so that that's all i wanted to say it's not it's not to you know take a dig at calcaterra he just man when the ball hits you in the hand you got to catch it that's all and don't you know that's all. And I know he, he was banged up in the game on Saturday too. He came back and then, you know, immediately dropped another pass over the middle. So he's got to, he's, he's just got to get better at that. He's a guy who's got good hands. Um, and he's got to clean that up. And also Lee, we, I mean, we have to bring up Kennedy Brooks because, um, it's, I guess coming out of that game, it's hard not to envision that he's going to be the guy. They maybe try to get the ball more often probably because he was the one who was able to break some stuff off. And, um, I'd be lying if I said he didn't look impressive because he did. He looks he looked fast and he looked smooth running the ball.
0: He looked like he did in the spring game on a couple of those plays, and then he had that long touchdown against FAU in Week One in garbage time. That's the thing. He they need to get a little bit more of an explosive type player running the football. Trey Sermon just isn't that guy. I mean, he, I know they were they were taking away the run, so it's tough on him, and and he's the main guy they're going to key on. But Trey Sermon at this point, I. He's just, he, he's not that explosive. He's kind of a plotter. Uh, that's, that's I like this, you know, that Samajé Pirine, I mean, not so much in college as, as he is in the NFL, but Samajé Pirine is a plotter. He's not particularly fast. He's a guy that's going to get you a couple tough yards. He's not going to break away from you. And I, I'm afraid that's kind of what Trey Sermon has turned into. And uh, he still has that, that capability, I guess, if he gets a little bit of separation, but he needs a actually, I think he needs a lot of separation <laughs> to to kind of break away from people. But it always seems like he's getting hit like immediately, it doesn't it like in the backfield at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and, I mean he has some strong runs. I mean he's a big strong yeah, and guy and he he creates yards. But it's just it's I feel so bad for the guy because it just seems like he's not really getting much of a chance. And I'm not sure how much of that is just is him maybe not seeing it or maybe the offensive line or what. But I mean Brooks, sure it was late in the game, so maybe Baylor was out of it. So you can't really give him full credit for those runs but he he certainly seemed like he followed his blocks and busted through on those two touchdowns pretty easily
1: yeah and you know I I agree with your thoughts on Sermon he's he's still a guy who's really hard to bring down um with a guy like Sermon I, I think we are seeing that you're gonna you're gonna get the best effect with Trey Sermon as kind of a as a change up from from your yeah, like number I don't th-
0: want to tackle that guy. Yeah, like if I'm a defensive player. I don't want to tackle him at all.
1: And so it's 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 very obvious why last year, you know, he developed the reputation as their closer because the guy's really hard to tackle. He still is it's it, he's getting hit in the backfield and it's still taking two, three guys to bring him down at all times um so if he can get ahead of steam that's the thing with sermon you know he's a guy who's going to fall forward and get those tough yards the problem is that he's been met in the backfield pretty much every time he just he he touches the ball um and that needs to be cleaned up a little bit and we'll see if uh i i have i have full faith in bill biedenboe in this running game to get to get it figured out over the course of the season because this has followed kind of the same trend um as every single year Lincoln Riley has been here the running game always start you know sort of starts out a little slow relatively speaking and then over the course of the season it really gets into high gear once they find those once they find the perfect rotation and once they get some continuity on the offensive line so hopefully Ben Powers can come back next week for Texas hopefully Kennedy Brooks can build on this momentum you know Trey Trey Brown is or not Trey Brown Trey Sermon is Trey Sermon he had he did have one really nice run on on a catch on that untimed down in the in the third quarter and so, oh, man. That was great. That was a that was a great play. And he's, I mean, that's, he does stuff like that a lot or stuff similar to that a lot. And, 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 and of course, just with his ability to pass block, Trey Sermon needs to be in there. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I'm not in, insanely concerned about that, especially as we get into Big 12 play. I think that's something that we probably would rightfully be concerned about against maybe an SEC opponent or, or an Ohio State or something like that in a college football playoff scenario or a Clemson. Um, but I, I really do think they're going to get the running game you know, going at some point in time. And, of course, uh, Texas is going to be a hell of a test for that because they really do aggressively like to go after the run um, with those run fits and whatnot. So, um, hey, at the end of the day, I know Oklahoma, they, they gave up 33 points. And I know a lot of people really aren't happy with, with you know some instances of the defensive performance. But anytime you win a game by 33 points – that's you know they 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 dominated Baylor really for the most part Baylor yeah just Baylor could not keep up they they were not equipped to do so and Baylor I I said before the game that Baylor has a good offense and I didn't see anything on Saturday that that would lead me to disbelieve that I think Baylor has a good offense they're going to score some points on people this year
0: the last thing I have that uh, is is definitely worrisome heading into OU Texas week you mentioned uh, Ben Powers and uh, you know we talked about Kenneth Mann a little bit I think but uh, after the game uh, Lincoln Riley uh, he he's not he was asked about Kenneth Mann and Ben Power's status and Riley said we don't know so there's a real chance that those guys aren't going to be able to play against Texas either and I'm I'm not sure about Ryan Jones at this point either but uh, that's that's something to uh, definitely will pay attention to as the week progresses
1: was it was it confirmed that ryan jones was out with injury because they were literally a nickel the entire game they didn't go into three four once.
0: i saw some tweets let's see i'll give people some credit uh eddie from sooner scoop tweeted that that ryan jones was in street clothes in the game uh and uh, so an ou daily so i think maybe i think eddie was the one who broke it and i wasn't actually on the field on saturday i was up top again shooting up top i kind of like shooting up there because i get the eagle eye view of of all the plays and I don't got to walk around as much. I'm going to be lazy for a Saturday. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, so Ryan Jones apparently was in street clothes. I don't know if that, what that means, but um, uh, as far as man and powers to go though, I mean, two, star- I mean, all those guys are starters. I mean, obviously Ryan Jones doesn't play when they're in nickel, but uh, yeah, that's again, something to look at. We will definitely be uh, trying to learn more about going uh, as, as this week progresses, because uh, you know, Oklahoma obviously would be great to have all hands on deck.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I think um, certainly against Texas, uh, Kenneth Man not being available uh, would certainly be a problem. They need as much depth on the defensive line as possible. I thought Ronnie Perkins played really well yesterday. That guy's all over the field. He's gonna be a, by the time he's you know a sophomore, or junior, he's gonna be a real good one. Um, and so I they need Kenneth Mann for Texas because Texas is really gonna try to pound the rock. I think with, mm-hmm. with Ellinger, they're really gonna try to run it with him. And they Oh yeah. They're oh, they're yeah. gonna need their defensive ends playing well. And they need Kenneth Mann. So um that's certainly something to look out for. Um I think I think what Riley said, didn't he say that they weren't close to playing? I think that's what he said about powers and man for this week. So
0: That sounds familiar. I unfortunately I wasn't even able to to actually be there to hear. I I, I read quotes because I was up top and we were with our timing with News 9 we were doing a live shot around you know the game ended and we had shows at 6 30 and 7 o'clock had to be there so I didn't get a chance to go down and even listen to it so that's kind of the downside of doing doing tv hits um you know at, when the game ends like right at that time sometimes you don't get to hear everything which was kind of annoying so yeah I don't know the 100% what he said but I have heard that yeah that that what you said is that they weren't close so I guess we'll have to learn more about that and as the week progresses, I mean, Briley will talk on Monday. So, I mean, we'll, he'll get, I'm sure he'll get asked again and we'll get updates.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm shoot. hoping that
0: this whole thing is, I mean, obviously, I don't know why they would hold him out for Baylor if they really couldn't go. But, I mean, it'd be great if if the the comments are just kind of, uh gamesmanship games, gamesmanship yeah they actually are close to playing and they'll be available for Texas that'd be that'd be cool
1: and yeah I mean they didn't they were pretty coy about Kyler not starting yesterday either which we didn't even talk about which I guess is funny um because I don't it's, I, it's I'm, just not a not I'm a not big deal. I'm not I'm not too concerned about it he came out and uh the only thing that you would be concerned about there is that he loses the respect of his teammates that certainly didn't seem to be the case as the game went on uh they you know so I, I'm not too not too concerned about that uh, I think we should get out of here, Lee. College Game Day is going to be at the uh, is going to be at the game next week.
0: Yeah, that's good. First time I think since twenty eleven, the College Game Day will be there. Twenty twelve, so. that Notre Dame game. Twenty twelve,
1: we were there. No, 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 no. At at, at at OU Texas. Oh, at OU Texas. Okay, yeah, you're uh, you're right. So uh, yeah, that's been a while.
0: So I so. guess the game's big. So it's a big game. It's so a big game, I, and so yeah, we'll love. We'll yeah exactly i mean that's it for today and and it is ou texas week so as you all know so and we'll talk all about that on thursday we don't have time to talk about it right now until then for grant i am lee this is west of everest